good evening. Hey, say this with me. Say the rest of my life will be the best of my life. Say the rest of my night will be the best of my night. Yeah, things just keep getting better and better with God. Isn't that good? God, you know, life is a gift. How many like gifts? How many like gifts? You know, gifts are meant to be enjoyed. Do you imagine giving someone a gift? They said, oh, thanks. Just never opened it or never looked at it. God gave us this gift. I think it's meant to be enjoyed. And, and uh, I remember a couple of Christmases ago, I gave my mother-in-law a gift for Christmas. I gave her a cemetery plot. And I... I <laughs> mother-in-law. Anyway, I didn't get her anything last year and she's a little upset. You know, you didn't give me anything for Christmas this year. Like you didn't even use what I got you last year. I'm, I'm just saying when you, when you get someone a gift, you know, you, my wife the other day, she said, you don't like any of my family, do you? I said, I love your mother-in-law. <laughs> I like her more than I like my mother-in-law. It's just my, Anyway, enough mother-in-law jokes. Hey, glad you came to church tonight. I got something I think is going to help you. Uh, do you know anybody who likes to, when they go on vacation, they go on a trip, they like to plan every little detail. Anybody know anybody like that? You might be one of those kind of people, you know, you got every detail. We're going to do this at this time. We're going to here for dinner at this time. I'm one of those just kind of like, you know, let's just see what happens. You know, we're on vacation. We'll just kind of go with it. And, 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 and I like to call those people the trip master. You know, they got every detail of the trip all planned out. And, uh, and I want to look at that today because here's the thing. I think planning is important. Now, when you're on vacation, you might want to relax a little bit. But in life, I think planning is vital and planning is important. I'm going to give you a, a little message I call Trip Master. And I've, I've been looking at this and studying it a little bit because nothing in life that is done well will be accomplished without planning. Nothing in life that's done well will be accomplished without planning. Uh, have you ever made Have you ever made a plan for something? Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe you planned what you were having for lunch. We just had uh, Thanksgiving. I've got a friend who detailed the whole Thanksgiving meal with an Excel spreadsheet of what we needed this and here and when we need that and all this. I mean, every detail of everything. And uh, uh, some some people, you know, just made reservations. That's easy too. But uh, it, whatever it may be, you must have a plan in order to accomplish it or a plan in order to do it. Now, here's one thing I've learned. I've, I, as we look at these principles tonight, I've learned there's a big difference between the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. The person of Jesus prepares you for heaven. The principles of Jesus prepare you for earth. The, the, the person of Jesus creates your peace. The principles of Jesus create your prosperity. How many would like to be doing better than you're doing right now? Let me see your hand real quick. Okay, that's most of it. If you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, it just means there's something you don't know. If you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, it just means there's something you don't know. When I heard that, I went from being a know-it-all to being a learn-it-all. Obviously, there are some things in my life I didn't know. I wasn't doing as well as I'd like to be doing. So I began to study. I began to look. I wrote a book called 12 Traits of the Greats. And in that book, I just took hundreds of hours and I studied great achievers. And I found successful people learn from other successful people. A lot of times, it's unsuccessful people that know it all. You ever notice that? It's, like it's always your broke cousin that knows everything. They're broke, but they know how oh, that doesn't work. I can tell you that doesn't work. And so I've noticed as I studied successful people, I found that there was things in their life that they understood or that they, that they knew. And, uh, and I, another thing I found about successful people is the more successful they were, the more mistakes they had made. How many have ever made a mistake? I've made a lot. 
Isn't that good news? It make you feel a little encouraged right there. You know, the more, the most successful people have the most mistakes on their resume. If you've never made a mistake, you probably never made anything. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has setbacks. I think last time I was here, I had a book come out called Another Shot. Uh, some of y'all may have gotten that book. I think I had that book with me last time I was here. But it, it, that's what it's all about. It's about coming back from setbacks and mistakes that we all uh, make in, in life. I love what, uh, there's a quote on the back by Vander Holyfield that I love. And uh, I'm mentioning that because I want to tell you this quote. And I, I'm just trying to drop names like I know Evander Holyfield. <laughs> I'm not a name dropper. I'm just trying to tell you what the five-time heavyweight champion of the world said <laughs> on the back of my book. Seriously, I'm not. If anything, I've learned from spending time with Oprah is that, um, is that you shouldn't drop names. But uh, he said it's not getting knocked down that makes you lose the fight. It's not getting back up. We all get knocked down. We all have some setbacks. But how do we get back up? How do we get back in the game? And what's the plan for coming back from setbacks that we have in life? Now, uh, what, I, what I said, what I was talking about is all these principles that we talk about. I'm on a, a tour called Get Motivated and uh, with some of the guys from Shark Tank. Uh, like uh, uh, Kevin O'Leary and, and uh, Damon John, you know, Mr. Wonderful uh, Kevin O'Leary. And, and, but, but Damon John the other day made the statement, he, he was talking about writing down your goals. And, and he said, when you write down your goals, you dramatically increase the likelihood of you accomplishing them. And I was like, that, that's really good. I said, you know, that's in the Bible. He said, that's not in the Bible. I said, sure, it's in the Bible. The Bible, the greatest success book ever written, you can't find any greater source or principles for, for doing well in life than you find in, in the Bible. I mean, that's right in Habakkuk chapter 2. It says, write the vision, make it plain. That's the same thing what you just said. When you write down your goals, you dramatically increase the likelihood of you accomplishing them. The Bible already told us we should do that. Write down your goals. How many, how many have ever written down your goals, written down the things you want to accomplish? Okay, about half of you. So it's, it's important and it's vital. And here's what I found the Bible. The Bible is a collection of champions who planned their success ahead of time. As I look through the Bible, and, and it, it talks about all throughout there in, in Proverbs, where there's no vision, people perish. Write the vision, make it plain. Even Jesus was a planner. Even Jesus was a planner. Uh, you know, people say, well, no, I don't think so. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Right, he did. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. He didn't say, don't plan tomorrow. He said, don't worry about it. But if you have a plan, you don't worry near as much. You ever notice that? I mean, any, listen, if you don't think Jesus was a planner, anybody who makes dinner plans 2,000 years ahead of time, the marriage supper, anyway, uh, that's planning ahead. I mean, most of us don't even know what we're going to have for lunch tomorrow. But uh, so when I, when I look at this and I, I see all these plans, like I said, don't worry. Worry, I mean, oh my goodness, I hate worrying. How many have ever worried about something that didn't happen? Yeah, how many still got the headache? Even though it didn't happen, you still got a headache. Why? Because it happened to you. See, your body or your physiology goes through all the same processes. When you worry, your blood pressure goes up, causes the headache. All those things happen. Even though it didn't really happen, it happened to you. Bad thing is, if it really does happen, now you got to go through it twice. So why worry ahead of time? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Plus, how many have ever had a situation you thought it was going to be this way and it turned out completely different? It reminds me, this guy sits down on the park bench one day, looks over, there's a nun sitting next to him on the park bench. He says, oh, excuse me, sister. He said, I don't know if this is just a coincidence that you're here and that I'm here. He said, but I got to tell you, I've had a dream my entire life. I've always wanted to kiss a nun. 
And none looked at him and said, are you crazy? I can't even believe you just said that. I can't even believe you said that. I'm, I'm a little offended. He said, you know what, sister, you're right. I shouldn't have said anything. I, I, that was wrong of me. Please, please forgive me. He turned around. Well, a few minutes later, the nun still sitting there tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, listen. I mean, if it is your dream and I'm here, I'd like to help you. I'd be willing to kiss you on two conditions. Number one, you got to be Catholic. He said, that's perfect. I am. I'm Catholic. He said, number two, you got to be single. He said, I'm single. She said, all right. So he laid a big one right on the, on the nun. As soon as he got done kissing the nun, he starts laughing. The nun said, what's so funny? He said, well, I got to admit, I, I lied. I lied to you. I'm actually Baptist. He said, and I'm, and I'm married. All of a sudden, the nun started laughing. He said, what do you think so funny? The nun said, actually, my name's Kevin. And I was just on my way to a costume party. So what I'm saying by that is sometimes things turn out totally different than you thought they were going to turn out. That's all I'm saying by that. So in life, sometimes we worry about things that never even, that never even happen. And as I look in the Bible, I see all these plans, these people that had plans for where they were going. Well, Solomon had a plan for the temple. It was pretty detailed. You can read all about it in Second Chronicles. Noah uh, had a plan for the ark. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 6. Moses had a plan for the tabernacle. Exodus 36 tells us all about that. God even detailed the offering, how to give an offering regarding the, the people there in Leviticus. And as I travel all around the world, I see this trend I think is pretty interesting. And, and I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people. I was in Indonesia and Singapore and over there, weddings. I mean, we think we have big weddings here. Over there, their weddings are huge. And I mean, they're extravagant and they're like royal weddings. I mean, they're amazing. And they spend so much time. And I, I met the, the guy who, who does the, this big bridal magazine. He's one of the top... Uh, people with the website and how to put your weddings together over there. But we were talking about how much time and how much effort it takes to plan the wedding and how little effort we put into planning the marriage. You know, it goes through that, a lot of different things in life. You know, we plan our weekends, but we don't plan our will. Uh, you know, we plan our kids' college, but we don't plan their character. We plan a time for gains, but not time for goals. And so we got our annual vacation, but we don't have a life vision. We have no plan for where we're going. How can God bless our future if the future's not planned? So I think about this. I truly believe it all comes back to planning. It's critical to living a fulfilled life is to have a plan. And if you want to be able to look one day back over your life and know that you've accomplished what you were put on the earth to accomplish, you've got to have a plan. What planning does, planning brings the future into the present so that you can do something about it right now. Planning brings the future into the present so you can do something about it right now. It's a way to, it's, it's a way. How many plan to live beyond today? How many plan to live? Okay, that's almost everybody. It's a, it's a good start. So what's your plan past today? I mean, you can get through today, but what's the plan for, for tomorrow? When you go back over your life, what will you have done that's significant? If you want to be significant, it's one thing to be successful. But there's a big difference between success and significance. I want my life to be significant. I want something I did to, to impact others. And, 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 and so when I think about these milestones, one of my favorite people is Winston Churchill. I love, I, anybody, anybody read any Winston Churchill leadership stuff? Okay, a few people. If you never, I mean, or even uh, there's a good movie that just came out, um, The Darkest Hour, about Winston Churchill. He's, he was just a great leader. I mean, one of his most famous quotes is amazing. It was, never give in. 
Never, never, never give in. Real deep, wasn't that real deep? But what he was doing, his bulldog tenacity to hold the course, to not turn back. He told the troops, he said, listen, we will not turn back. We will not retreat. We will fight, fight. Never, ever give in. And that bulldog tenacity brought them the victory. I just, I love to read his stuff. He's quirky, but he's, he's interesting. I was reading a story about him the other day. He was at a party one night. And at the party, a lady looked at him. She said, Mr. Churchill, if you were my husband, I would poison your drink. He looked at her. He said, ma'am, if you were my wife, I would drink it. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, it, um, I heard another time a lady looked at him and said, Mr. Churchill, you, sir, are drunk. He said, yes, ma'am, and you are ugly. <laughs> he said, the thing is, tomorrow I will be sober. <laughs> anyway, here's what, here's what Winston Churchill, here's what he, he said. He said, let our advance worrying become our advance thinking and planning. Instead of worrying ahead, what if we spent the time we were worrying? All, all worry is is bad use of your imagination. God gave you this incredible imagination, but when you use your imagination to picture all the things that could go wrong, what if you took all that time to make a plan and to think, and I believe, I believe he knew what he was talking about. He was a master planner. So we need to have a master plan for other li- our life. Otherwise, life uh, happens uh, to us, and it's what happens around us. And we can begin to direct where our life is going by having a plan for where we are, where we're trying to accomplish. So let's talk about this, planning versus praying or praying versus planning, or planning and praying. Let's talk about those two things, because in church, we, we, we think about that a lot. Well, why do I have to have a plan? Why can't I just pray? God will, God will do it. Planning, planning cannot replace praying. Planning cannot replace praying, but praying does not replace planning either. You've got to have both. So sometimes people will tell you that they're praying, and soon you realize that's all they're doing is praying. They don't have a plan. They're not doing anything else. And, and I, they say, you know, I'm just, I'm just praying the wealth of the sinner. The Bible says it's laid up for the righteous, and I'm just sitting home praying about that. I'm like, I don't think God's going to take Bill Gates' money and give it to some lazy Christian that just sits home and prays all day. I think praying's important, but you got to have a plan. you got to do something. Well, the Bible even says faith without works is what? Is dead. So I, I, I think God intends for us to come to Him by praying, but also to get busy with a plan. So planning and praying they go they go together. Well, here's what the here's what the Bible says about it. I'm gonna give you seven things I think you need to know. Seven things. If you got your pen, paper, your phone, something, write these down. All our planning should begin and be covered with with prayer. The Bible says, commit your plans to Him. But then uh, we can't expect God to grant our request if we only pray and abandon all of our planning. So I need both those. So number one, first thing I want you to understand is planning is scriptural. It's, it's a Bible thing to have a, to have a plan. Uh, Jeremiah 29 talks about it, right? He says, for I know the plans, yeah, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans. Second Kings says, have you not heard long ago I ordained it in, in days of old? I planned it and now I brought it to pass. Psalms 33 verse 11, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever in purposes of his heart throughout all generation. God has plans 
for every one of us. God makes plans. And if God makes plans, how many think we need to do the same? I mean, we're, we're trying to be more like him. It reminds me of a, a couple that was planning their vacation. Uh, they were up in, in, in Minnesota planning their vacation, going to Florida. They had everything planned. They were so excited about this vacation. Just the night before they were getting ready to leave, the wife's boss calls and says, hey, we had a big meeting come up in the morning. I'm going to need you to be at the office. She said, well, we're going on vacation. We've got the whole thing planned. He said, I don't care what your plans are. You better plan to be at your office tomorrow if you plan to keep your job. She said, I don't want to lose my job. Talked to her husband. Her husband said, look, I'll fly down. They were going to Florida. He said, I'll fly down to Florida, get everything set up. You know, that first day of vacation, you got to pick up the rental car and get the hotel and all those. He said, I'll take care of all that stuff. You do the meeting and then fly down the next day. We'll have a great time. I'll just take care of all the little details. So they, he did. He got down, got everything squared away there in Florida, sent his wife an email that night before he went to bed just to let her know everything was fine. Well, when he sent her an email, he typed her email, sent it. He typed, he got one of the letters wrong in her email address. I mean, not, not a big deal, just one letter, not a, not a big deal. I mean, no one letter wrong in an email address will send it to the wrong person, right? So little mistakes, some, you know, small, small mistakes can make big, big problems sometimes. Anyway, he sent the email and uh, he went to, a, went to a lady up in New York. She just got home from the hospital. Her husband had passed away and she just got home from, from the funeral home and, and everything was checking her email. All of a sudden, this email popped up. It said, hello, honey. Just wanted you to know I arrived safely. She passed out. Her, her son came and said, mom, what's wrong? She said, the, the email. Read that. Read that email. He looked and said, hello, honey. Just wanted you to know I arrived safely. Everything's prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> and then it said, P.S., it sure is hot down here. Got to have a plan. So in the, in the Bible, in the Bible, there, there's a story I want to look at real quick that we all, we all love this story. Genesis chapter 41. It, it, it's, it's about the life of Joseph. He's one of my favorite people. I love, I love Joseph. There's a few people in the Bible. I love Joseph. I love David. He's one of my favorite. Cause I remember David, he just, I love successful people. I love people that just go for it. David, remember he killed Goliath. I love that whole story. Killed Goliath, cut his head off. You know, that was, it was awesome. David's the first person I found to really get ahead in life. <laughs> okay, that's bad. Anyway, uh, so, so here we go. We're going to pick up this story after Joseph is brought out of prison to stand before Pharaoh. We know this story. And then he, the king of Egypt, and he's there to interpret a dream that Pharaoh had. And if, if you don't know the background, I encourage you, you can read all about it later. But it, it's really a story of favoritism, of boasting, of jealousy, of anger, betrayal, imprisonment, uh, lying, dreams, redemption, forgiveness. It's, it's a pretty amazing story. I don't know why you need to watch movies. You could read your Bible. This guy's good stuff in here. I mean, and, 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 and just, just before, I, I met a guy recently. This is crazy. He told me he read the whole Bible through in two weeks. I'm like, are you, t you read the whole Bible? He said, he said, I had no idea about church. I met this girl and, uh, and, and I just, I liked her. And she gave me this book. She goes, you got to read this book. She goes, he goes, I thought it was just a book to read. I read it. He read the whole Bible in two weeks. Uh, he's been saved now years, but I thought that's pretty amazing. He goes, it was the stories in there were amazing. I said, yeah, and they're true. So it's amazing. So you read Pharaoh had these two dreams one night. One was of seven skinny cows that came up out of the Nile River and ate seven fat cows. 
but the skinny cows didn't grow any larger. The other was these seven fat ears of corn being swallowed up by seven thin ears of corn. And, and none of the uh, astrologers or magicians, none of them could figure out this dream. None of them could interpret uh, this, this dream. And, and he's trying to figure out what all this means. How many of has your wife ever had a dream and you got in trouble for her dream? I'm like, why am I? It was a dream, honey. I was there. I was laying right next to you. I didn't do it. How many married people are in here? It's funny. I was telling someone that day. Isn't it funny when you first get married? You got all those names for each other, little pet names like honey bun, sugar pie. Like after 25 years, it's like hope smasher, <laughs> dream killer. Yeah, anyway. Um, so here you got this whole story. This man had been lied to and falsely thrown in jail, yet he was faithful to God, and God's favor was on him. And through a series of incredible, fascinating events, this cupbearer to Pharaoh recommended that this man in prison could interpret a dream. And all of a sudden, here you go. We pick it up in, in Genesis 41, verse uh, 28. I don't know if they have uh, any of those, those scriptures up there, but uh, it, it's all Pharaoh. Uh, he said to Pharaoh, God's shown Pharaoh what, it, what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming uh, through the land of Egypt. Seven years of famine will follow that. Then there will be an abundance in Egypt will be all forgotten. And the famine will ravage the land. And the abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine will be so severe. And the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that uh, the matter had been firmly decided by God and God was soon to do it. Now, if you notice this, Joseph didn't even pause right? He says, here's what this means. And he didn't even pause. He said, but right here's a plan. And he immediately rolls into a plan. And then this, uh, he says, Hey, Pharaoh, look at, uh, look for a discerning and wise man, put him in charge of the land of Egypt. And that Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. So he's like, Hey, look, let's start collecting some of this, all this food during these good years that are coming up and stored in grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. And the food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that's going to come after that so that the country won't be ruined. So he's like, look, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a famine, but here's our plan. We're going to start saving this. So we'll be ready. And the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all the officials. So you had a problem, you had a solution, you had a, a plan. Now, uh, we see here that the problem, seven years of famine's coming in, in seven years. So the solution was to figure out a way to feed the people. And the plan, uh, you, you see in verse 46 through, through 49, it goes on uh, in, in and Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of creating the solution to the plan. And so Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence, traveled throughout the earth. Verse 47 said, during the years of abundance in the land that the land produced plentiful, uh, plentifully, uh, Joseph collected all the food produced in the seven years of abundance and stored in the cities. And in each city, he put the food uh, ground in the, in the fields surrounding it. And Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand did the sea. And it was so much that he stopped keeping record because it was beyond measure. And now I, I love this because God really put a lot of the details of the plan in the Bible. 
I'm like, why would he put so much of this detail for us now? And I think, again, he's just trying to show us how important it is to really have a plan for your life. It isn't something to take. It's really, it's scriptural. It's a God thing. And and he uses the story to really show us that it's important. We can see clearly in the Bible that we should have a plan. How many can see that? clearly in the Bible that planning is, is scriptural. Planning is important. Second thing. So number one was planning is scriptural. The second thing about planning is planning will put you in a better position. Planning will put you in a better position. Without a plan in place, the nation of Israel would have had a great tragedy. I mean, if they hadn't saved anything up, all of a sudden the famine would have came and they'd have been, well, they'd have been, they'd have been out of luck because they didn't have anything that they needed. And, and, and so in your own life, I find that planning will put you in a better position than if you moved forward with no plan. How many have ever made a plan? How many, when you make plans, you hope that they work out the way you planned? right? So if your plan fails, it's like, oh, you plan, when you make a plan, you plan to succeed, right? You plan for it to go right. So just by having a plan, you're already in a better position. You're already moving toward the goal. Whatever your plan is, is your plan to succeed. So it's not surprising that you'll eventually lead to, to more achievement, a better position in, in the market. Uh, CEOs of companies know this. Lee Iacocca, uh, I was reading the his story about when he took over Chrysler. And he, he said uh, one of the greatest, uh, one of his greatest mentors insisted that he make a written plan out on paper before he would consider doing anything. Anyone can get carried away in a conversation. We're going to do this and that. But when you detail out a plan, when you write it out on paper, facts arise that you didn't see before. You're like, oh, I never thought about that. That's, that's good. When you begin to make the plan, when you think it all out, you begin to see things that weren't showing up earlier. Truth, uh, truths are much easier to see when you have a written plan of what you're doing. Problem areas emerge. Weaknesses become obvious. Anything that's cloudy starts to become clear. Questions get answered. When you have a clarified plan of where you're going. And sometimes we think we need to get ourselves all put together before we can even make a plan. I mean, how could God use me anyway? I've messed up so much. And uh, we got to get ourselves just in the perfect position before we can move forward or before we can have any goals. I mean, how could God use me? I'm not perfect. And, and uh, uh, someone made this quote, uh, is it a, a, good, a good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow? Something like that. I think it's a good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. But I'm amazed at how many people don't feel like they're worthy of God blessing their plans. They don't feel like they're worthy of success. They don't feel like, you know, there's three ways to see yourself. Three ways you can see yourself. You can see yourself the way other people see you, which may be good. And then again, it may not be good. I learned this a long time ago. What other people think about you is none of your business. I think Eleanor Roosevelt said it this way. She said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So quit going through your whole life always worried about what everyone else thinks about you all the time. The second way to see yourself is, again, how you see yourself. It's called self-confidence. We all want to have good self-confidence, good self-esteem. It's important. But, again, people say things to us, do things to us. We can't go through our whole life just worrying about our own, our own self-esteem because we, I mean, my goodness, I can think of things all the way back to high school that affected my self-esteem. If I would have held on to them, I mean, one time in high school, a girl broke up with me. She said, I'm breaking up with you. You got low self-esteem. I was like, great, that, that helped. 
Another time in high school, this girl called me. She goes, hey, come over to my house. Nobody's home. I went over there. There's nobody home. I just kept knocking. There's nobody. That hurts. That's very hurtful, you know. So the, the, the third way to see yourself, and I used to have such low self-esteem. One time I painted a blue square in my backyard just so Google Earth would think I had a pool. It's really low self-esteem, you see what I'm saying? But the third way to see yourself, third way to see yourself is to see yourself the way God sees you. If you could get a picture of yourself the way God sees you, like I kind of picture up in heaven, God's got pictures of all of us up on the wall, and the picture God has of you looks, it looks good. Yeah, he, God's already touched it up a little bit. God's got some great Photoshop skills. He's already removed all the wrinkles of weakness. He's taking out all the blemishes of failure. The picture God has of you is a picture of perfect success. So if you could live into the picture, what happens is most of us take the picture God has of us and we lower it to how we see ourselves, instead of living into the picture that God has of us. See, and, and so many times we think, well, I could never do that. You don't understand the mistakes I've made. I was talking to a, a lady the other day, and a couple that just was, wanted to have a child, but she had made some mistakes early in her life and had had an abortion. She said, how could God ever give me a child now? Look what I did. I've messed up my whole life. And I'm like, wait, wait there's, we're going to talk about God's grace. And we've all made mistakes. My goodness, next time you feel like a failure, think about some of your favorite people in the Bible. My goodness, some of our heroes in the Bible, heroes in faith. I mean, God, do you think God can't use you? My goodness, Noah. Why, look, I love this list. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses was a stutterer. Gideon was afraid. Leah was ugly. Samson. That's what the Bible said. I'm just telling you, I'm not, I'm not judging Leah. I don't even know her. <laughs> Samson had long hair. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Nobody wanted to see that. And God still used him. Look at that. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. How do you do? hang out with Jesus and then say, I don't know the guy? You ever thought about that? Like, why would in the world would you be with Jesus and then deny it? Uh, I, I was wondering one day, I was thinking about that. Why, why do you think that happened? I don't know if this is, I, I'm, I'm, I discovered this. I'm not saying this is why. But I did know a few verses before Peter denied Jesus, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. I don't know if there's a correlation there, but it was a coincidence, maybe just that, that he was upset about that or something. But anyway, the, the disciples fell asleep while they were praying with Jesus. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. My goodness. And I, got on, I got on the elevator of the hotel one day. This lady looked at me. She goes, you know, you look like my third husband thought about this lady. I'm like, how many times have you been married? And she said twice. <laughs> anyway, um, Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. Listen, and God's still using all these people. Lazarus was dead. And you think God can't use you? R remember what, what God told Samuel first 
Samuel uh, chapter 16, verse number seven. It says, the Lord does not see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, the difference maker in each of these lives that I mentioned right here was that God had a plan for them. God has a plan for you, a plan for your life, a plan for your business. If you're willing to follow the plan, planning will put you in a better position. Number three, third thing, planning is essential. I think planning is essential. Making a plan will cause you to act rather than to react. Uh, planning makes us more effective. When the Egyptians uh, had, had said, oh, no, bad times are, are coming. I mean, it, what, what if they just said, look, there's a famine, bad times are coming. What are we going to do? It's going to be such a mess. What if they just started talking about the disaster and all the bad stuff that's going to happen, and they never did anything to prepare? They just talked about how bad it was going to be. Would the situation turn out a little bit different? Of course it would have. But instead, they had a plan. What if you're getting older every day, which we all are. One day you want to retire, but you've made no plans for the future, no provision for the future. What if you're in college and you have no idea what you're going to do when you get out? You have no goals, no, no plan. I, I, I created what I call a, a vision board. I don't remember if I talked about this at all last year. I, I, I did this years ago. I was at my, my parents' house one night, and I was looking around their house, all the pictures on the wall, lots of pictures, all pictures of the past, memories, Nothing wrong with memories. Memories are great. But I noticed 90% of the walls in my parents' house were covered with pictures of the past. There was not one picture of the future. And I thought, what if I, had a, what if I just had one wall in my house where I put up pictures of the future? See, the imagination or visualization, what, something has to be seeable before it's believable, believable before it's achievable. I'm a big Disney fan. I love, I love Disney. And I was reading the story about when they dedicated Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, 1971. They were interviewing Walt Disney's wife. And they, they said, you know, Walt had died about five years earlier. And, uh, and they said, isn't it sad that Walt never got to see Disney World? And his wife said, oh, no, Walt saw Disney World. Walt saw it before any of us. And that's why it's here today. The power of visualization is not a, a, a Walt Disney thing. It's a God thing. Abraham, you're going to have children, and your children will have children. And Abraham's like, I'm 100 years old. I don't see how that's possible. And God said, Abraham, come out of your tent. Look up at those stars in the sky. I want you to visualize. Picture all those stars as all the children and grandchildren and all the descendants that will come after you. And he had him get a picture of his, of his future. So I created this wall where I started putting on this wall just anything I wanted to see in my future. Like, um, some, here's something simple. How many of you got someplace you'd like to take your family on vacation? Someplace you're like, I'd all, I've always loved to go there. Let me see your hand. Most of us have that. So I wanted to, to, to take my family on a Disney cruise. I thought that'd be cool to go on a Disney cruise. So I got the brochure. I cut a picture of the ship out, and I put it up on the wall. One day, we're going to go on a Disney cruise. I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to have a little studio, little TV studio at my office where I could make, I love to make coaching videos because I, I, I do a lot of coaching, but I can't coach everybody. I just don't have the time. So I wanted to be able to make these videos that I could develop resources to coach people, make podcasts and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and, which, and so I, I got all the equipment that I needed, cut pictures of all the different equipment uh, that I wanted, and, and I put it up on the wall. Maybe you have a business that you need different pieces of equipment, and you, have, you said, one day we're going to get that. We're going to be able to do so much more. 
Cut a picture of it out. Put it up on the wall. That's what we want one day. I mean, I've got all this stuff on the wall. There's a, I had a tour bus on the wall. I don't even know why I put that up there, but I thought that'd be cool to have a tour bus. Um, oh, I wanted to give. Remember I was talking this morning about giving $100,000? Years ago, I set that goal that I wanted to give $100,000. And I even wrote an envelope out to my church, made the whole envelope out $100,000, and I put that up on, on the wall. I wrote void on it when I put it up there. <laughs> In case my pastor came over <laughs> before I was ready. And you might have heard about the two guys who got stranded on the deserted island. You know, the, the, and one guy was just, he was like, we, we, he was a mess. He goes, we got to get help. We're on a deserted island. They're never going to find us. You get, bring me some palm branches. The other guy said, we're going to be fine. He went and sat under the tree, palm tree. He said, what are you doing? He said, we're on a deserted island. They're never going to find us. We got to make a fire, make SOS in the sand. We got to do something. Bring me some. He goes, man, we're going to be fine. Don't worry. He said, what do you mean? Don't worry. We're on a deserted island. Why are you not worried? He said, I'm not worried because I'm a tither. He said, trust me, my pastor will find us. <laughs> okay. So, um, so I've got this wall, right? I got all these pictures of things that I want in my, in my future, my, my vision board, my dream of where I'm going, what's, what's ahead. Something has to be seeable before it's believable, believable before it's achievable. And that, that was my very first uh, vision wall. And I, and I could go back now. All those things have, have happened. They're not on there anymore. We've been on the Disney cruise. We got all the podcast equipment and video. We were able to do all that. We even got the tour bus. Be careful what you put on there, by the way, because I ended up with that. Best day of my life was when I got it. Second best day when I sold it. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was awesome to have it, but that thing was a lot of work. Ended up selling it to a guy from Alaska. It was wild. I live in Florida. I put this big bus on eBay, and a guy flew all the way from Alaska and bought it. It was, it was, he was a shaman priest. I didn't know what a shaman was. I had to look it up. It's like a Native American. Uh, he's kind of like a witch doctor, actually, is what he was. But he was nice, and he paid. Um, so it's a shaman. I just didn't know what a shaman was. Anyway, he, he gave me the check. I gave him a hug. Yeah, I'm a hugger. I'm like, oh, man, thank you. He's like, hey, hey, don't, don't squeeze the shaman. <laughs> okay, so planning is involved in everything that we do. Planning's involved. Planning's critical. And we're much better, we're much better when we have a plan. We were talking about Noah. You know, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Right? He was planning. He was preparing ahead. So let me be clear. Sometimes we, we, we plan and things don't turn out just like we planned. Has that ever happened to anybody? You made the plan. You had it all perfect and it turned out when that happens, you need to look closely at, at our plans. Were, were they our plans? What was God part in the planning? Remember I told you, you got to have planning and praying, praying and planning. You got to have them both together. Don't plan without prayer and don't stop praying to do and do the planning. Uh, got to do all those, which brings us to the fourth point. Planning brings progress. Planning brings progress. If you plan to succeed, the plan will include your progress, will include moving forward as well as the best pathway to achieve the, the goal. Always keep plans. I told you, I, I set that goal. One day I'm going to give $100,000. And I, I mentioned it, I think it may have been the second service this morning, if you were in that service. And, and I, one day I want to do that. But I started with where I was at, right? 
I had $500. And so I, I said, I can, I can do that. And I began to, I gave that. And then, and then God blessed us. And, and, and I, found, I found every time God would speak to us, that's why it's so important that you're always listening to God's voice. Because I, I just believe that God always has greater things. How many believe God has greater things in store for you? Yeah, the best is yet to come. And when, 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 if we believe the Bible, we know that every time uh, we, we sow, we reap, right? When you give, you receive. It's like breathing in and breathing out. It's not the purpose. It's just part of the process of the way it works. And, and, we, and we found this in our life. This morning, we talked about the cycle of blessing. When, we, when, we, when we're thankful, we recognize God's blessings and we're thankful, we, we give out of, out of that gratitude of what God's blessed us with or out of our thankfulness, we give. And when we give, God multiplies it back to us. When he multiplies it back to us, we recognize that we're thankful, which makes us have a desire to give. And every time we can do a little bit more than we did before, I was sharing, I think it was the second service. I shared about when my wife and I gave $500. It was everything that we had. And, uh, and, and I didn't know, I mean, we were $32,000 in debt. We're living in a little apartment, a little government apartment. Didn't have a bed, had an air mattress. Didn't know how we were going to get by. And then all of a sudden, we, we hear God speak to us in a, in a heart, for the, uh, heart for the kingdom, kind of offering at our church there to give everything we had, all $500. And I gave the whole $500. And I learned that day that every time God speaks to you, that's why over the ne- this next week, I encourage you to really be praying about what God wants you to do next week. Really be praying about your part in this heart for the world. Not just so we can reach more people, but, but God also, I think, through that wants to do something in your life as well. Because on the other side of the seed is a harvest. I had no idea how we'd ever get out of debt. Here we are now, we've given all of our money. And just a few days later, um, my wife is at Walmart. She's at Walmart getting some Walmart stuff and uh, whatever Walmart stuff is, you know, she's there a lot. While she's there, a lady comes up to her with a video camera and asks her if she'd like to be in a commercial. Her and her friend, they'd like to be in a, in a Walmart commercial. And, and, and they, they said, what do we got to do? They said, well, you're going to audition. And if you, if you listen to Joyce Meyer much, Joyce uh, likes to tell this. Do you have, have you all heard of Joyce? Yeah. Joyce Meyer got a little ministry trying to get going. <laughs> Let's pray for her. I think she's going to make it. But um, uh, Joyce shared, will, will tell this story about these two girls that went into Walmart. It was, and it was my wife and her friend. And it was not long after, after we'd given everything we had. So she's in there, and they asked her to audition. They said, you're going to go over here and, and just shop for a minute. We're going to videotape you shopping. We're going to send those all to, uh, to the, they have people at 20 Walmarts around the country. We'll send them to Chicago. They're going to pick the company there. will pick two people. And so they came home and told me about it. And I kind of laughed at them. You know, you don't go to Walmart. People ask you to be in commercials. Right? I mean, I've been to Walmart a lot. No one's ever asked me to be in a commercial, and I kind of feel like commercial material. So I'm laughing. They, they, a, a couple of days later, I quit laughing when the phone rings, and it's Walmart. Out of all the people at all the Walmarts, her and her friend were the ones that got picked for this commercial. They said, can you be at Walmart Friday morning at 8 o'clock? They get down there at Walmart Friday morning at 8 o'clock. They're looking for the lady with the camera. Half of Walmart's blocked off. There's lights, camera crews everywhere. They said, we're here for the commercial. They said, come right this way. They said, who else is in it? They said, nobody, it's just you two. They said, what do, we, what do you mean, just us? Do we have to learn lines? What do we have to do? They said, no, you're just going to shop. We're going to videotape you shopping, talking about how much you love Walmart. And uh, so they did for eight hours. Walmart's great. I love Walmart. This looked good on me. Walmart, they, they just shopped eight hours. They thanked them for coming and handed them each a check for $800. I don't know about you, but I call that favor. 
Man, that's the first time my wife ever went shopping, came home with more money than she left with. I can tell you that. So, so we already $800. When she gets home, tells me about it. She goes, she goes it, it's going to be a national commercial, uh, which means every, every time it airs, we're going to get paid for it. I'm like, what do you mean you're going to get paid? How much do you get paid? She goes, I don't know. We got to call this other number on Monday and they'll tell us if it's on a cable. You get a certain amount. If it's on a network, you get another amount. I'm like, this is crazy. I can't believe this. We're sitting in church on Sunday and the Holy Spirit, I just feel like he says to me, he says, how much would you like that commercial to make? I said, I don't know. I don't know how much a, I don't know how much a commercial makes. 500, 5,000. I don't really know. But if, I mean, if you're going to be thinking anyway, might as well think big, right? When we serve a big guy. So I'm picture, picture maybe Christine coming to a Walmart near you. You know, it's going to be big. Maybe your own clothing line. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm thinking this could be awesome. The commercial starts airing. It's going to air for 13 weeks. By the end of the first two weeks, we'd already received checks in the mail for over $5,000. I mean, she just went to get some toilet paper. Right, some toothpaste or something. All of a sudden, over five thousand dollars. It just keeps it just keeps coming in. By the end of the thirteen weeks, over fifteen thousand dollars had come in from Walmart. I mean, you just never know how God's going to bless you. Next time you go to Walmart, you fix your hair, do your makeup. You know, I mean, you, it may be your time. You just—I know every time I'm at Walmart now, when I walk by the security cameras. I'm, You just never know. You just never know how God's going to bless you. I mean, uh, now we're, we're halfway out of debt. We're halfway out of debt. You know what? I can trace it back. I said, you know, when God spoke to me about the $500, it was everything I had. But when God spoke to me about the 500 you think he didn't already know about the Walmart commercial? There's a lot of people could have got that Walmart. They had people at 20 Walmarts around the country. But I believe when God spoke to us about a seed, he had a harvest on his mind. He was already thinking about how he wanted to bless us. And our obedience opened up the windows of heaven over our life. And, and I could tell you time and time again, you just never know. You probably heard about the little old lady who lived next door to the atheist. And the atheist would always hear her pray. And say, I'm so tired of hearing this lady pray to God. There is no God. One day she was praying for groceries. She didn't have any food. She was praying for groceries. The atheist heard her and said, I'm going I'm to show her. I'm going to prove to her there is no God. So he went to the grocery store and he bought a couple bags of groceries. Came over, he put them on her steps. He rang the doorbell, hid around the corner. She came out and found the groceries. She started thanking God for the groceries, praising God for the groceries. The atheist jumped out and said, uh-uh, I got you. She said, what do you mean you got me? He said, God didn't bring in these groceries. I bought these groceries. I bought them. I brought them over here. I put them on your steps. God had nothing to do with this. She looked down at her groceries. She looked over that atheist. She said, thank you, Lord, for the groceries, and thanks for making the devil pay for it. I mean, you just never know, right? You just never know how God's going to bless you. And I could tell you, as we planned, one day we planned to give $100,000. We just kept working our way up. Next year, we gave 1000 I was telling them, faith is a muscle. If you want a muscle to grow, what do you do? You exercise it. You got to work it out. And so uh, I remember we gave $1,000. I remember, I remember we gave $2,500. Every time we, we wanted to do a little bit more, but we always were listening to God's voice. That's the most important thing you can do is just hear God's voice. Because God already knows what's on the other side, but he's gotta, you got to hear him so you can release what you have. Uh, uh, and, and so 
I'll never forget we were in service. Again, another kind of heart for the kingdom, kind of offering at our church. And I'm just enjoying the praise and worship. This one was for our, our building, actually to, to pay off the debt on our, on our building, which we're believing for here, right? 9.7 million. How many believe with, with pastor and believe that we can get that paid off? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, just God has so much more for us to, to do, get that out of the way. And, and, and it won't take seven years. We can get that done. And, and it, that's what our church was doing. And I'll never forget praise and worship's going, man, I'm enjoying it. This is good. And all of a sudden, I felt like God said, you know the $2,500 you've been saving? I'd saved up $2,500 for a car. We needed a second car. And I'm just, I'm like, yeah, yeah. He said, I want you to put it in the offering today. I'm like, turn that music up. I tried to drown, I tried to drown that out. I tried to get back into it. And my wife leaned over. She said, is God telling you anything? I said, oh, shoot my car money. I've been, have you ever saved up money for something? I've been saving that for a car and I'll never forget writing the check. $2,500, 25. I watered the seed with my tears. <laughs> I gave it that day. And, and then uh, a couple days later, I'm in the car with a guy. We're driving. He goes, Hey, I'm thinking about getting a new car. I said, so was I. He said, you should buy my car. I said, I appreciate it. It's a great car. Actually, it was kind of, it was actually just what we were looking for for a second car, but I wasn't in a position now to buy a car. He said, I'm not in a hurry. He said, just talk to your wife. You guys pray about it. Let me know if you're interested. I said, okay, great. Yeah. Went home, told Christine. She goes, I love that car. I said, yeah. He said, pray about it. She goes, let's pray. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, pray. Pray if you want to. (laughs) I was still a little upset about giving all my money in the offering. She started praying. All of a sudden, I felt like God said, that's your car. Call him and tell him you want it. I said, I would, but you got all my money. <laughs> he said, just call the guy. So I called the guy. I said, hey, listen, you said you weren't in a hurry. Could you give me a little bit of time to get some things together? My wife and I are praying last night, and we just felt like God said uh, to, to call you. We, we want, if, we, if you give us some time to get some things together, we'd like to buy that car from you. He said, yeah. He said, you know what? They have no problem whatsoever. He said, matter of fact, he said, my wife and I were praying last night, and we just felt like God said, if you called and said you wanted the car, that we were just supposed to give it to you. He said, I don't know if you have plans tonight, but we'd like to bring the keys and the title over to your house. And I said, actually, our plans just changed. Matter of fact, <laughs> we're going to be here. And, but, but here's the thing. I could have kept the $2,500. I could have made a down payment on a car. I could be making car payments. But when God spoke to us about the $2,500, you think he didn't know about the car? And I'm not saying every time you give, he's going to give you a car. That's not what I'm saying. But I believe when he speaks to you, that's why it's so important that you hear his voice. When he speaks to you. And so, so here we go. I got the car now. I got the car. I'm just enjoying it. I had it about six months. I'm driving one day, just enjoying my car, my blessing. And all of a sudden, God puts this couple on my heart that just started out in youth ministry. He said, you know, they need a car. I said, oh, Lord. Bless them, Lord. You did it for me. I know, Lord, you can do it for them. I, I just. Yeah, he is talking to me. It took him a little, it took him a few days before he got it. But uh, I kept rolling the window down, turning the music up, trying to get, but I knew he was talking to me about, but I knew when he talked to me about giving the car, there was something better on the other side. And every time, I remember the first time we gave, we gave $10,000. I remember the first time we gave $25,000. I never dreamed. I'm a poor kid from Mississippi. I never dreamed I'd have $25,000 to give in an offering. 
That God would bless me, that I could be a blessing. How many, how many like giving? Let me see if you like to give. That's most everybody. How many like to be able to give more than you give right now? Yeah, most of us would. And, and so here we are. I mean, one day, remember, I, I planned one day to give 100000 So God's like, here's how you get there. You just keep every chance you get. And we're in service. Our church is building a youth center. Three point, I think it's $3.4 million. Pastor goes, we want to build it cash. And I remember he shared the vision, and he said, we're all going to give. And my wife leans over and says, I feel like God wants us to give $25,000 for the youth center. And I said, you know, I don't feel that. I said, I feel like giving 10000 She goes, well, I feel like twenty-five. I said, well, I got ten. And, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, would you give 25000 I said, I don't have 25000 He said, I didn't ask you if you had it. He said, I asked you if you would give it. I said, well, if I had it, yeah, I'd, I'd give it up if I, if I had it. He said, okay, then I'll give it to you. And then I remember that scripture that said he would supply seed to the sower. Remember I told you this morning, uh, again, I don't remember which service it was, maybe the first one, in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, it says the Lord would give you the power to create wealth. He gives you the power. He didn't say give you money. He said give you the power to create it. Why? To establish his covenant which is covenant is Genesis chapter 12. I will bless you so that you could be a blessing. And so when I got a hold of that man, God wants to bless me with ideas, with, with inventions, with business opportunities, with real estate, whatever he wants. He wants to do that. Why? So he can bless me so that I can be a blessing. When I realized that, I went for it. I said, you know what, God, I like this. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be a blessing. And the more I was a blessing, the more God would bless me. And I'd recognize his blessing. I was so thankful for the blessing. And then, well, with that 25000 I gave the 10. I had 10. That's why I was willing to give 10. If you got it, it's easy to give it, isn't it? It's when you have to stretch a little bit that makes it hard. I mean, when you don't have it, when you, gotta, when you know, like, oh, man, I may have to cut back. I may have to. I may not be able to go on. I may need to use that cruise money. I've been saving that. But if I put it with this, if I put first the kingdom of God, then all the other things are added unto me. What I make happen for God's house, God makes happen for my house. And if I have to make a little sacrifice, and we did, we made the sacrifice, but within, within 90 days, we had the whole 25,000. I don't know. I don't even, can't even tell you how it happened, but we were able to give it. God supplied seed to the sower. When he knows your heart is to give, sometimes you say, I don't have anything to give. It's just because God didn't know you'd give it. But if God knows your heart is to give, I believe he looks for ways to bless you, bless your business. I was telling some people the other day, with the gift of giving, how many desire that gift? You either feel like you have it or you desire it. Yeah, in the Bible says you can ask for gifts. You desire them, you ask for them. And, and I remember, I was like, God, I want you to use me in this, in this gift. I really want you to bless me so that I can be a blessing, so that I can help others. That's what I, I love to do. And, and, and I found when, when I, with the gift of giving comes the gift of getting. But see, I think, here's the thing. Some people, say, well, well, you might just become greedy. What if you become greedy? I think God put giving in the system to cure us from greed. Giving is the cure for greed. I don't ever worry about becoming greedy. I, I just like giving too much. And the more God blesses me, the more of a blessing I am. So it's hard for me to be greedy because I just, every time he blesses me, I want to, I'll look for another way. I want to be a distribution center of his blessings. My prayer every day, Lord, bless me so that I can be a blessing. Make me a distribution center of your blessings to others. And so I started looking for ways. Well, it was, it was, 
eight, eight or nine years and before we were finally able to give that $100,000. And I, if I told you, if we went from that government-assisted apartment to a regular apartment to our first house, which was an incredible miracle, which we moved in that house with, well, right after that $25,000 I told you about. These people called us. No, it wasn't. I'm sorry. It was after a 10000 We gave $10,000. It was everything we had. I remember that. And, and the guy calls me. He says, hey, he said, you guys looking for a house? I said, well, we live in a, we got a, a townhome. I said, we, we'd like to get a house one day. He goes, you know what? I'm trying to sell my house, and I think you're supposed to have it. I said, I, I have it? I feel that. <laughs> they told me how much I was supposed to have it for. I didn't feel that no more. It was a little, it was, it's a beautiful house. It was worth what he was asking, but it was beyond where I was at, where I, what I could afford to do at the, at the time. I said, thank you so much. A beautiful home, but we're just not really in a position to buy that. We, we, we haven't even saved up anything for down payment, anything. We're just not really ready, but thank you for thinking of us, you know, and, and, uh, but six weeks later, probably he called us back. He said, man, my wife and I can't get this out. We just really feel like you're supposed to have this house. He said, what if I did this? Here's what I owe on the house. If I gave it to you for what I owe on it, and I finance it for you. You don't have to give me anything down. You just take over, and I'll, I'll finance it. Would you be interested then? When he did, he knocked $300,000 off the price. And he, we didn't have to put any money down. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested now. And, and, and I, I trace it back. When God spoke to us putting his house first, that, that 10000 gave us a possibility. Now we got into this house. When we sold that house, over a few years later, when we sold that house, he gave us the money to be able to give that first $100,000 and the equity that we had in that house. God already knew. He was working the whole thing out because our gift was to give. We wanted to give, so he started looking for ways to bless us, opportunities that would cause us to, to be blessed so that we could be a blessing. Say, say that. Say, I'm blessed. To be a blessing. blessing. Let me give you these last couple. I don't even know how how to get on all that. I don't know what I was talking about. But it was good. How many got at least something out of that? How many got your faith and courage? Good. That's that's all that matters. Number four. Did I already talk about this? That was good too, wasn't it? Uh, You know, let's finish this. Wait, number four. There's a couple more things. Planning brings progress. So uh, that's what I was talking about. My my plan was to give $100,000. i am going to talk about focus. Next time I'm here. <laughs> There's some rewards for having a plan. Let me give you those real quick. The rewards for planning. Because along with promoting progress, there's some clear rewards for having a plan. Uh, one thing is planning ahead eliminates stress in difficult seasons of life. Does anybody here like stress? How many, how many just like it to, to, to eliminate stress from your life? Wouldn't that be nice? Well, one of the ways planning ahead eliminates stress. When I'm, when I'm going somewhere, I like to have everything planned. When I'm, I, we, went, we went downtown. We've just moved to Chicago from Florida. And I, I know you're like, why? And that's what I've, I've asked myself. But uh, here, we wanted to go downtown. And, and so they, they said, you could take the train where well, we, we live out in the, in the suburbs. And, and so I got the train map and I got all the, the times and I, I figured the whole thing out. If we get on this time, we land, we get to the city here and we could do this. And, and my wife said, like, why? Just, let's just go up to the train station. We'll just get, their trains are coming. <laughs> I said, no, no, I, I gotta have a, if, if not, I'm, I'm stressed. What time's the train come? What if we missed the train? Did we miss the, did you just hear a train? I think I heard a train. I think we missed the train. I, it stresses me out. 
I got to have a plan. If I know exactly what time the train's coming, I'll be there waiting for the train when it gets there. I know when I'm going to land so I can make sure I'm prepared of when I, what else I'm going to do when I, when I get where I'm going. All those things are important to me. And so it's important that there's a reward for planning is less stress in my life. It helps you eliminate stress from your life. Uh, another thing, planning to do it. The quality of your preparation determines the quality of your performance. I went uh, and saw a concert pianist the other day, and, and I was thinking, how many hours that she had practiced before the concert? All we heard in the crowd was the result of hours and hours of preparation. If she had never practiced, and she said, let me see, I can figure this out. Let me, is that that sounds good. Y'all think that sounds good? And, and she'd have kept, that wouldn't have been near as much fun, would it? But her hours of preparation made it possible for a great performance. So planning ahead, she planned for the performance to be prepared. And then lastly, proper planning guarantees the completion of any project. Proper planning guarantees the completion of the project. Uh, heavyweight boxing champions, I, I like boxing. They plan for weeks before the fight. They prepare, and, and the only difference, uh, they, they know that the, the only difference between winning and losing is the preparation, how much they prepared. I love what boxing champion Joe Lewis, he said, a champion doesn't become a champion in the ring. He merely is recognized in the ring. His becoming happens during his daily routine. His becoming happens during his daily routine. What are you doing on a daily basis? One of the things I do on a daily, one thing I, I, I so love about pastor, he just, he inspires me. I think I read a lot and study a lot. I mean, I, I've never seen more books everywhere. You can find a book. I mean, there's a book. He's probably sitting on a book right now. I mean, he just gets up. There's books coming out of his pockets. I mean, I, I'm like, this guy, he's like, what other books? What books do you think I should? And I'm like, man, I am so far behind. You know, but I'm like, well, what the Bible, the Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. Proverbs 1 verse 5 says, a wise person will increase in learning. So, so by, by, by having the right information, what I'm doing every day, every day, my daily routine, I want to read every day. I want to listen to a podcast. I want to do something that's going to make tomorrow. I had a mentor of mine ask me, he said, how much television do you watch every day? I started thinking about it and I thought, well, I, I figured up. Man, like, like two hours probably. By the time I watch some news, maybe watch a show with the family, if I flip on a late show or the ESPN or something before, my goodness, I'm, I'm spending a couple hours a day. Well, you know, you only got 24 hours in a day. So there's the, every day, there's, here's the thing. Rich people don't have more time than poor people. Poor people don't have, anybody here got more than 24 hours in a day? No, anybody got less than 24 hours in a day? Okay, so we all have the same amount of time. 20, anybody feel like you have less than 24 hours sometimes? <laughs> yeah, we got just enough time. Just, there's 24 hours, 24 boxcars on your train to success. Every day, what you put in each of those boxcars determines what you get at the end of the day. I did read the other day, the average American watches about six hours of television a day. Think about that, six hours. That means six boxcars every day are filled with CSI, Miami, CSI, New York. CSI Las Vegas. There's a lot of CSIs there. My mentor said, what if you took one hour a day and invested in yourself? You say, I don't have time to learn something new. What if, you, what if you took an hour a day for the next year? In 365 hours, I would say you could probably be an expert on any subject. 
anything you want to know. You could be the expert on any subject in 365 hours of studying that subject, one hour a day. Just take out one CSI, right? Not Miami. That one's awesome. I love that one. It's my favorite one. But if you just took out one hour and invested in yourself to learn. So I found this planning is motivational to me. Number five, planning is motivational um, because it, it, it inspires me to do more. It inspires me to, to learn more, to understand more. And, and so in, in life, we, we, we see patterns. And when, when our plans have a built-in reward system, anybody ever done a, a, a diet? Anybody ever been on a diet? I hate those. Got the word dies in it. And, uh, and, 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 and you got an eating plan. There's this one, I can't remember what it was called, but uh, a few years back, and they would have a treat day in the plan. So one day, you, the, it was motivation for the rest of the six days of misery, right? Is that one day of, of you know, here you got a, a treat day. I tried that one. It didn't, I got mixed up at the whole beginning. I thought I said a treat a day. Anyway, it never really worked. And uh, I was doing really good, though. I, I've, I was working really hard. Then I saw this T-shirt. I saw this T-shirt that they said, fat people are harder to kidnap. I'm like, I got to protect myself, you know? It could be dangerous out there if I'm not careful. So I, anyway, um, by learning and growing, it, it's motivational. Proverbs talks about the value of, of wisdom. Uh, uh, wisdom will promote you. Wisdom will protect you. All throughout Proverbs, it talks about how important it is to keep learning and to keep growing. Wisdom will promote you. Think about that. How in the world does wisdom promote you? Two friends of mine were trying to get a promotion on their, their job, worked at the same company. They said, hey, go down to HR. There's a test. Take the test. Whoever gets the best score on the test gets the promotion. So they both ran down there and took the test. Next day, they called them in. They said, hey, guys, we looked over your test. You actually, you actually both scored the exact same thing on the test. Of course, we can't give you both the job. We can only give it to one of you. So Kenny, we decided to give it to you. Well, Robert was mad. Why'd you give it to him? Why'd you give it to me? We scored the same thing. They said, well, it really came down to question 46. They said, well, what was that? What was question 46? They said, well, it, it wasn't the question really. It was your answers that, that made the decision. They said, well, what, what was our answers? They said, well, Kenny, we gave you the promotion. Your answer was, I don't know. They said, Robert, you put me either. A little bit of wisdom sometimes can make all the, all the difference in, in the world. Number, number six, number six, planning clarifies decision-making. Planning clarifies your decision-making. Um, I, I mentioned this, this this morning. I can go to the airport. Uh, in Chicago, there's planes flying all over the world. But until I decide where I want to go, I'm still going to be at the airport. They don't sell me my ticket based on where I'm at. They sell me my ticket based on where I'm going. So if you don't know where, I don't like where I'm at, where do you want to be? I don't know where I want to be. Well, you can't leave where you're at until you decide where you'd, want, where you'd rather be. Hey, lady, tell me, she goes, I want to get out of debt. Will you pray for me? I'm, I'm believing to get out of debt. I said, I'd be glad to pray for you. How much do you need? She goes, I, I, I need more than I got. I said, okay, how much more? She goes, I don't know. I just need more. So I gave her a dollar. Her prayers were answered. When I was trying to get out of debt, I could tell you to the exact penny, I need $36,242.17. I got a plan. Here's where I'm going. Here's what's going to take to get me there. I knew exactly what I needed. So planning uh, if you, clarifies your decision making, like the ticket. I go to the airport. I don't know where I go. I want to go. I'm still going to be at the airport. But once I make the decision, you know what? I want to go to Hawaii. 
Now, the decision-making process becomes much clearer. Now I know where to buy a ticket to. I'm not going to buy a ticket to Alaska. I want to go to Hawaii. So I buy a ticket to Hawaii. Now I know what to pack, right? I don't need a jacket. I need flip-flops. I, all my decisions start to become clear because now I know where I'm going. You don't like where you're at. Where would you rather be? You know, as we finish up this year, a lot of people just kind of coast through the holidays. I would encourage you to finish strong and begin to develop your plan for next year. Well, I'm going to start working out in January. Why not start right now? Why not start walking right now? I mean, why? I'm going I'm I'm to read an hour a day in January. No, why not start? Well, it's the holidays. Everything gets so busy. And what if you just started right now? Why not finish strong right now? I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it sounds great, doesn't it? But is it realistic? Yeah, sure it is. It's realistic if you decide to take responsibility it's one of the traits of great achievers is they take responsibility. It's the first chapter in the book I wrote, 12 Traits of the Greats. And then the first chapter is all about responsibility. Because here's the thing. I mean, if you can't, as long as you blame other people for your problems, it's the government's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my, you can always blame other people. But the greats take responsibility. What do I need to change? What do I need to do different? Dave, doctor said, you need to lose 25 pounds. That's, that's Krispy Kreme's fault. I blame that on Tim Horton. He did it with those donuts. I could blame him, but it, it, my decision yesterday to eat the donut got me to the place I am today, or my, actually my decision today even, to eat the sticky buns. But uh, anyway, but it, no, that's pastor's fault. He shouldn't have presented them to me. But I could blame other people, but, or I can take responsibility for the things I need to change for where I'm going. So you can decide right now, I'm going to begin to make changes to plan right now for my future, to plan right now to, to run into next year, not just, well, I'll start next year. Here's the last one. Planning is achievable. Are y'all getting anything out of this tonight? Planning is, is, is achievable. And, and you see the importance of planning. Does it work? Uh, well, you can, you can finish reading that story about Joseph. Uh, and you get down to verse 43, it tells what happened. Then the famine came and he had the food and they began to sell it. And people from other countries came to buy food from him because they were prepared. They had made a plan and, and they brought them through uh, the famine. It worked to save the entire, the entire nation. So daily planning, daily planning, three things, three things. There's three simple steps to create your plan. This is what I do. I love to help people create a plan to get them from where they are to where they want to be. I was working with a small business owner. He had a painting company. He started painting. He had one guy worked for him. He had a pickup truck and all of his equipment, but he wanted to do more. He's doing jobs, two, $3,000 paint jobs and that, but he wanted to do more. And we sat down and we helped him develop a plan, how to get him from where he was to where he wanted to be. He wanted to have vans, with, with his logo all painted on the side and different crews. And so we got a van, we got a picture of a van and we had the graphic person, we, we had a picture so we could see it. He could already see it with the, I mean, to make a long story short, as we developed the plan, he began to put the plan into process. I was talking to him the other day and now he has four vans, four of those fully wrapped vans with crews in each of those vans. And instead of doing $2,000, $3,000 jobs, they just finished one job worth over $800,000, a paint job, over $800,000 they got paid for it. But he never got there if he didn't have a plan. 
So how do you get there? So I, one of my things I love to do is sit down. All right, how do we, how many like to take me home with you and help you develop a plan for next year, a plan for your business or your, your life? And, 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 and I mean, I love to sit with people and help them. Here's how we do it. Here's how we, we get there. There's a, a guy, he grew up on the streets of Cleveland, record producer, wanted to do more with his life, started producing. We helped him develop a plan. We said, how do you get from where you are to where you want to be? As he put the plan to practice, I was just at his house recently. He's got, I think, seven six or seven Grammys now on the, on the thing. And he just was named vice president of Motown Records. They just moved him out to Los Angeles and he's in the big Capitol Records building. Why? Because he developed a plan. He got focused on where he wanted to go. You can't leave where you're at until you decide where you'd rather be. Number one, determine your goal. What is it that you want? Where is it you want to end up? Uh, where could you be? We do a conference and one of the things we do, we have a party and you have to come uh, the night of the party as the person you want to be in five years. Who do you want to be five years from now? What do you want to see? Do you want a best-selling book in five years? Bring your book to the, to the, to the dinner. And you got to stay in character the whole night of who you're going to be in the future. Because listen, you look, you look better in the future. Just tell the person next to you, say, you look so much better in your future. Yeah, tell the person on the other side, say, you do too. You, your second choice, tell them they do also. You know, you got, you got to know where you're going. If you got on a, on a ship, and could you imagine getting on a ship in the ocean cruise you'd take out over the, over the ocean? You've been out there for a week. You say to the captain, hey, shouldn't we have arrived by now? He said, arrived where? Wherever we were going. He said, oh, I didn't know we were going anywhere. I just thought we'd just go out of here and we'd end up somewhere, but I didn't know when or where. You'd be like, let me off of this boat right? There's no plan, no purpose of where you're going. That'd be ridiculous. Number two, write down the steps it'll take to get you there. So determine your goal, write down the steps it'll take. Writing it down is such a powerful thing. Like I said, the Bible tells us how important writing it down is. And then feel free to go back and modify it, adapt it, whatever you need to do. And then identify, do something each day that moves you closer to your goal. Do something each day that moves you closer to your goal, whether it's reading, whether it's studying, whatever, uh, whether it's, it's an action that you can do. I remember years ago, I heard a guy by the name of Peter J. Daniels. Have you ever heard of Peter J. Daniels? You ever heard of him? Okay, it's two or three people. He's a wealthy businessman from Australia. Went to a seminar he did, and, and uh, he was talking, and I'm like, man, he's got some good stuff. I was writing down everything I could. And at, at the end, he told us about some, some resources stuff he had. And, and so as soon as the thing was over, I grabbed my friend. I said, I want to get that, that stuff he has. So I ran back there. I said, I want everything this guy's got back here. And he had, he had prepared some coaching things. I said, I want it all. And, 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 they, and, and I said, how much, how much they had figured up? They said, it'd be, if you buy everything back here, it'll be $1,600 for everything back here. And I I didn't know he knew that much stuff. (laughs) It was a little more than I was expecting. And my my friend said, that's crazy. He said, you're not going to get all that stuff, are you? I said, yeah, I think think I am. He said, you think it's worth it? I said, you know, I I think I'm worth it. See, when you buy a book, like I was telling Pastor got all these books, he doesn't buy the book because he thinks the paper's worth it. He buys the book because he thinks the information's worth it. We don't have a bookstore because we think, well, there's just nothing else to do with this. We might as well use this space. for. No, it's because the information, the wisdom. Well, the Bible says it's more valuable than silver. It's more profitable than gold. It's more precious than rubies. And nothing you could wish for would be as valuable as having wisdom. How many have ever made a mistake that cost you more than $1,600? 
When if you'd have had some wisdom, you might not have made that same mistake. And so all this is part of getting the wisdom you need to get you moving in the right direction so that you can achieve all the goals. It's achievable and it's critical for you to do it. It's scriptural, it's essential, it's achievable. Let me close with this scripture and then I'm gonna gonna pray for you. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse number three. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Another version says, he will cause your plans to succeed. The first step, commit. How many have got some dreams, some goals, some things that you'd still like to do in your life? First thing, commit all your plans, your goals, your dreams, whatever you do, commit them to the Lord. Start by letting God be the foundation of your dreams, of your success, of your life, and then you begin to build from there. You are in an incredible church, a great place to to grow with outstanding leadership. You've already got some built-in resources just to help you uh, achieve all that God has for you. you got a pastor that believes, a church that believes that God has greater things in store for you. So you're already there, and and, and then you begin to grow in that. You begin to to develop your plan to get you from where you are to where you want to be. I believe God's got great things in store for you and for your future. Whatever your plan is, whether it's you plan to build your business, plan for your family, I plan out my giving every year. We plan out our, our giving. We know here the heart for the, uh, the kingdom is going to be toward the end. I, at the beginning of the year, I'm like, okay, here's my goal for that this year. I'd, I'd encourage you. I mean, next week we, we're, we're, we're going into it. I'd encourage you to, to stretch yourself, to do greater than you did last year. And, and then as the year ends, say, hey, you know what? I'm already going to put it down. Here's what I'm planning to do next year. And, and begin to plan, begin to look, because God, I think God blesses our plans. Well, if you believe the Bible, you know he does. He said, commit your plans to me, and he would cause them to succeed. How many want God causing your plans to succeed? God, God gets involved, and you get him involved. I'm telling you, you'd be amazed at what you can do when you put first the kingdom. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about the bigger house. It's not about the nicer car, which God doesn't mind you having a new car. That's not what I'm saying. But it's about the kingdom. Put first the kingdom, hard for the kingdom than all the other things, the boat, the lake, cottage, whatever it may be. All those other things are added unto you. When you get your priorities straight, you have the plan of what it is you want to do, what it is you want to accomplish. Father, I just thank you. Lord, you have such great things in store for us, such great things in store for our future. We commit our plans to you, plans for our business, plans for our future, for our retirement, for our, our business, for our families for our giving, for our life. We commit it to you through prayer, through consecration to you, and you cause it, you get involved in our plans, in our prayer, and we begin to see greater success in our life because we understand the purpose for the kingdom, for what you have to do, what you want to do in our life. We thank you for it today. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Say the rest of my life will be the best of my life. You know, we, we brought a couple of resources. I just want to mention to you uh, real quick on your, on your way out. If you're interested, not for everybody. I didn't bring enough for everybody. Not everybody's into wisdom. 
But there's always a few people like to learn and, and grow. How many like the, this morning we were talking about recognize whatever you recognize, you become thankful for. Whatever you're thankful for increases in your life. Just that understanding of recognition is one of the most powerful things you can understand. That's uh, that's just in the introduction of this book called the uh, the force of favor. How many like to have more of God's favor in your life? The Bible says that Jesus increased in favor. I give you seven ways to increase your favor with God, the source of favor. Man, man is the instrument by which favor comes. And so I encourage you, grab a copy of this book. All the money uh, that comes in through our resources goes straight to missions. Uh, so you're not only gonna be helping yourself, you're gonna be helping other people uh, around the world as well. And uh, I always encourage people, grab an extra book. So these would be great stocking stuffers. You know, get the, someone operating in the favor of God. So you can grab two books. I think two books are $30. You can get a couple of them, grab a bunch of them, bless some other people. If you want more of God's favor, I believe this will help you understand it and move into more of it. And then uh, we we're talking about planning. This is a little USB drive we put together. It's a 30-day coaching program. So it's me and you for 30 days where, I, I mean, I can't go home with you. I mentioned that earlier. How many like to take me home? This is one way you could do that. You could take me home through this USB, plug it in your computer. Every day when you wake up, I'll be waiting for you in your inbox. And we'll walk through, at the end of the 30 days, you'll actually have a written plan of what to do next. In here, it's all based on the book uh, I have called Another Shot, How to Develop a Game Plan. So in, with this USB, you'll get the book. You'll get the ebook of me reading the book, or you'll get the audio book of me reading the book. You'll get the ebook, and then you'll get the 30-day plan. I've got a friend of mine on here. One day we talk about decision-making. And a friend of mine used to run, ran Disney World. He oversaw all Disney World and all the four parks and 270 restaurants and 70,000 employees. He was running Disney when September 11th, when the planes hit, and he made the decision for the second time, I think in Disney history, to shut everything down. That decision, he talks to us about decision-making. I figure he knows a little something about decision-making. One day I'm talking about attitude. I'm like, who do I know that always has a good attitude that I could get? Cause I have some guests coaches that come on with me. So one day you have a video of me and I'm talking to, well, the day we're talking about attitude. I'm like, who do I know that has a good attitude, always smiling. And there's a guy that a pastor friend of mine has got a little church down in Houston. And I want, I'm like, I want to help you get your name out there a little bit. And so I asked this guy, Joel Osteen, if he wanted to be on there. And I said, you want to be on my video? And he's like, thank you, Dave. This is so great. <laughs> anyway, so he's on there one day and it's the other day, someone introduced me. They said, what's Dave Martin like? Someone said, he's kind of a mixture between Joel Osteen and Larry the Cable Guy. It's like, what in the world? Just, just hold your Bible up. Say, get her done. You know, I don't know what that looks like. But anyway, uh, when, we're, when we're in corporate events and, and that kind of thing, I think this program here sells, I don't know, it's a few hundred dollars on our website. At church, we put it on a USB, make it easy. You can take the whole thing. It's just a hundred dollars. Uh, and and there's, we just brought a few of those. So if you're interested in, in working through that plan, you'll actually have a written plan. They're, they're back there as well. It's just always an honor to get to be with you. I love what God's doing at Res Life. And I'm just always honored to get to be here. I'm always inspired when I get to be around pastor. It just makes me want to learn and grow more. And I believe God's got great things in store for us. In the next few weeks, just do your best. Hear God's voice. What he wants you to do in this heart for the kingdom. I believe there's some great things on the other side for you and your faithfulness. And yeah, God's going to take care of our, uh, of the kingdom and the church, but I think your part in it, obeying God will release some things in your future that God has for you. So get ready one more time. Say the rest of my life will be the best of my life. God bless you guys. Thanks so much.